Lord, as we open your word this morning, uh, we, we ask that you would continue to minister to us your truth, your light, your presence, your encouragement, your challenge, your forgiveness, your grace, your love, how we uh, experience you, how we journey with you, how you speak to us is so marvellous. And we know that you come to each one of us according to our need and according to your will. So we commit these moments to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you like to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? Yes. I was wondering whether we'd mysteriously disappeared them or not or... Lord, we pray you bless our young people too with your word and your truth and your light. Acts chapter 2 and just those couple of verses that would be familiar to so many at the bottom you, you may recall this chapter was when, uh, which basically recounts the, the coming of the Spirit uh, to the church. The Lord Jesus had to leave so that the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, could come. And, uh, and so that meant him being crucified, resurrected and ascended to the Father. And then he, he asked the, the disciples of that day to sit and wait and pray for the Spirit to come. So about 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended to the Father and then another 10 days later, so it made 50 days from Passover to the Feast of Weeks to Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came in such a way that it impacted the whole of Jerusalem. And, G- and, and Peter preached a sermon you might recall that the Holy Spirit came and it was a manifestation, a supernatural manifestation that accompanied the coming of the Spirit. There was the sound like a mighty rushing wind. There were what appeared to be uh, flames, tongues of fire resting on the disciples. And then they were given utterance in languages of people right around the region they are able actually to speak to them in their own language of the, of the, the glory of, of God and of the salvation of Jesus. And, and people were hearing the message of the good news in their own languages. And they were mystified by it because these guys were, were just fishermen from Galilee. You know, it was a, a low-class area in the region. And, and the Galileans weren't really much thought of in the overall scheme of things. 3,000, I think it says men, didn't it? I, I, I guess we, we generally take the assumption that 3,000, it meant that there were probably quite a lot more people because they didn't necessarily do a head count on women and children in these days. But um, where, however you read the numbers, it was a huge amount of people. And then we come to verse 42 of chapter 2 of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe 
and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They're beautiful verses, aren't they? Don't you wish church life was like that all the time? It's, it's just this beautiful snapshot of, of the, the life of the early church. Everything just seemed perfect. Everything was going really, really well. Even the community thought they were terrific. Uh, as we know, history tells us it didn't stay that way. And, and what, what was birthed at Pentecost uh, was to experience great trials and tribulations and journey and, and down times and valley experiences as well as high, time and high times and mountaintop experiences. It, they were scattered. There was a second diaspora. The first one was of the Jews many years ago, I think under Philip, the Greek. But then there was this persecution that came upon the Christians that just kind of scattered them. Like, like um, so they, they, there's a word they call, use, diaspora, like the dispersing. Uh, like ashes, alive embers from a fire. I mean, what were people thinking? We can look back and say that was the worst thing you could have done because you just scattered the Spirit of God, the people of God, right across the region. And wherever they landed, up came another fire of the Holy Spirit. Up came another community. Christians were being added daily to their number. The fledgling church. All those people from all over who heard that message, went back to their region, even the Cretans, um, sorry, they're from Crete, it should be Cretans. <laughs> I often get that wrong. Uh, but for the fledgling church, these were significant days, full of hope and anticipation. Do you ever wonder what they did with those 3,000 converts? Let's just sit with that number. 3,000 converts... Did they just go back home and hook up with Hillsong or, um, or the Crystal Cathedral or what did they do? Did they get a Billy Graham style crusade pack with the three spiritual laws in it or, or something? Amazing when you think about it. There were about 120, uh, I think, uh, in that assembly of prayers waiting for the Spirit and all of a sudden... 3,000 were added on that one day and then daily people were coming to faith. There was, there was something happening. Where did they get that sense of authority? Where did they get that sense of power and purpose? Where did they get that extraordinary blessing? Billy Graham, and I guess I sit uh, you know, in our thinking about the Holy Spirit, uh, in our life, I I like where Billy Graham sits. From that day onward, he said, the Holy Spirit has lived in the hearts of all true believers. Beginning with the 120 disciples who received him at Pentecost, when they received the Holy Spirit, he united them by his indwelling presence into one body. 
the mystical body of Christ, which is the church. We are all united by the Holy Spirit who dwells within our hearts, those who believe, whether we are Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, Lutheran, Anglican or community church. I'll just tag that on the end. Billy Graham didn't actually say that. (laughs) And that's true. Uh, We we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talk about uh, it in in some ways as as if it's a second blessing. And and a lot of the times in our conversations, particularly within the body of Christ, uh, different brothers and sisters and different understandings, it can come down to semantics, you know, how we use a word, really. Um, but I guess for me my conviction is that the Holy Spirit we're baptised effectively by the Holy Spirit when we come to faith in Christ so, so if you want to know that the Holy Spirit is within you uh, it's a little bit like that drama that we played people are saying oh you know I want the Holy Spirit or I want more of the Holy Spirit well in a sense the Holy Spirit already indwells his son, the Lord's sons and daughters you know, his sons and daughters. He, he, we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We talk about being born again. Um, there's people talk about. Oh, I, you know, I, I had a mate at Berwick once. He said to me, "You're not one of them born agains, are you? You know, I don't mind Christians, but them born agains, you know." <laughs> and you say, "Oh, well," or, or we might even use the term ourselves. I'm a born again Christian. Well, that's like saying Christian, Christian, isn't it? There are no other sort. You can't be Christian by birth, like being raised up in a Christian family. You can't be uh, Christian by country of origin. Each one of us individually needs to, to, to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives for us to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We are born again. We are made alive in Christ. Our spirit, which is dead to Christ, has been made alive and we have this spiritual birthday and we become part of this mystical family of God, this mystical body of Christ that Billy Graham spoke of. So, perhaps, I, I like what William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, said about these things. He said that God must have all there is of him. And, and in, in a sense, you know, we say, well, when we, say, when we say, oh, we want more of the Holy Spirit or we want more of his power in our lives, that's all true. That's, that's a wonderful aspiration. But in a sense, are we really saying actually we need to give more of ourselves to God? You, you, you know, is that a, more, a, a, a better way of understanding when we say those things? The reality is, uh, Billy Graham speaks earlier and he's, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He talks about there is only one baptism in the Spirit but many fillings from time to time. And there are times in our lives when we feel uh, very, very close to God, where we feel particularly empowered by God um, and, and we sense his presence in our lives in so many different ways. God cannot be confined to function or perform in exactly the same way with each of us at exactly the same time. Uh, understanding the reality that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit for those of us that believe, for those of us that have recognised our sin, that we actually have a case to answer with God and therefore we see our hopeless state before him. 
with our sinfulness and we accept the sacrificial death of Jesus his son. He died in our stead. He bore our sin in himself and God punished him. And we then, by receiving the salvation that Jesus Christ offers by faith and saying, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I thank you that, that you laid down your life in my place. You gave me your righteousness and exchanged it for my sinfulness. And by faith I receive that and I invite you into my life. Please God, forgive me of all my sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And when we invite him in, how does he come in? Not materially, not physically. Jesus doesn't come back from heaven. But he sends his comforter, his guide, the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God, the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not a ghost, uh, although we've called him sometimes the Holy Ghost in, in an older way of referring to the Holy Spirit. He's not a mystical presence or a force. Luke, remember the force is with you. There is, uh, yeah, let's not go on that one. But, you know, in a sense they're true, but, but to understand there's something divine and eternal and cosmic happening when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and takes up residence within us. He is our constant abiding companion through our lives. Wherever we go, we take him with us. And uh, without it being a conversation about gender, is he he or she, can we talk about God as being a she or any of that, if you look at scripture, he is both, God is referred to as both male and female, although it's largely patriarchal. you know. But um, to understand the Holy Spirit as part, as part of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal in power and authority. Different, perhaps, well, definitely different in, in how they may operate in that sense. But we, too, we can talk about the Spirit of Jesus as easily as we can talk about the Spirit of God, the Spirit that hovered over the waters at creation. We can pray to the Holy Spirit for me, I guess I, t- I tend to follow the, the, the slight hierarchy in, in prayer making, um, but it, it should not infer a hierarchy of God the Father, then lesser God the Son, then lesser than that God the Holy Spirit. But I tend to pray to God the Father in the name of God the Son through the power of God the Holy Spirit. You know, um, so so I tend to pray in Jesus' name. Um, when I'm speaking to the Father because the word says that Jesus is our only mediator between God and us. How the word about Jesus must have spread. Again, Jerusalem was disturbed by this Jesus and his followers. That wasn't the plan. His crucifixion was meant to end it. That was it. This is, it's always happened before. You kill the leader... You kill the rebel rabbi and that deals with the followers. You, you know, you don't have any more problems. What is going on with these followers of the way? The early pages of the Acts of the Apostles filled with extraordinary happenings in the name of this ex-Nazarene rabbi. rabbi. They became known as the followers of the way. If, if you read through Acts, you'll find at about Acts 11, in Acts 11 actually, it, they were first... 
known as Christians in Acts 11. Initially they were followers of the way. People kind of understood this, this crazy mob that they saw as a sect of Judaism initially. They used to meet in the, in the synagogues and the synagogue net, network around the then known world worked for them when they had that dispersion. They would continue to meet in the synagogues and spread the gospel. <laughs> Just everything played into their hands. We talk about the Pax Romana, that, that the peace that that the world enjoyed, relative peace under Rome, meant that you could travel freely between countries and that kind of thing. And uh, so, boom, sometimes we say, why did Jesus come then? It was the time. It was the perfect time. Right then and there, boom, Jesus came when the Lord ordained he should come at a perfect time, for such a time as this, and little did the world know what they were going to experience over the next few centuries particularly. And there in the midst, the resting, abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been the Trinity, the primary agent of the Trinity, of the spread of the gospel of Jesus throughout history. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to spiritual leaders and national leaders of Israel, prophets, priests and kings. But as Peter quoted the prophet Joel in his sermon, the Holy Spirit is now given to all. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is, is a Greekish kind of word, parakletos, which means one who is called alongside. I'm not a Greek expert, even though I'm of Greek descent. But I can throw a few Greek words at you from time to time, and in a sermon I may do so, suvlaki. Um, <laughs> probably no, just enough to get myself into trouble. Uh, the Holy Spirit called to our side as intercessor, comforter, helper, advocate, counsellor, all of those things that people were expressing a heart for to that fellow. I'm still not quite sure where he sat on the whole overall scheme of things. All of those things, you know, why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit? And And... and and, and bless the body of Christ. There was this particular, some people talk about Pentecost as the birthday of the church. So we celebrate birthdays, you know. Um, it's because we're not wired up to do this on our own. Nobody is an island, says Thomas Merton. Um, what, we are wired up because we are created in the image of God we are image bearers of the living God. Each human, there's a distinctiveness about us. We are not just, uh, you know, I personally don't believe in evolution as, as a process uh, necessarily, uh, but I, I understand that Jesus could use, the God could use evolutionary processes uh, to, to bring us into being. Whatever we think about how we, where, where we are and whether we thought it was seven literal days or not, I tend to sit on the conservative side of all of that stuff. However, the thing is that the Lord God stamped us in his image. We are not just highly sophisticated animals. We are separate. We are a different being. We are essentially of divine origin and divine future. And, and we are meant to be wired into the divine. And so it's so wonderful when you think that the Lord, for each one of us individually, when we come to him and invite him into our life, he does. He comes. 
and, and know this, that if, if you have come before the Lord in your life and maybe there are many times when you've sought the Lord and invited him into your life or invited more of him or, or seeking more of the Holy Spirit or whatever it is in your journey, if you are born again, you are born again by the Spirit of God. This is the work that he does and, and he indwells you. And somebody said once, you know, God seems far away, guess who moved? You, you know, that, that, that wonderful fact that the Lord God Almighty deigns it, even makes it possible, deems it, maybe use that word, to actually indwell us, indwell you and I, we become his holy dwelling place in a spiritual sense, in a mystical sense. Uh, somebody has said in an extra biblical sense in other words outside of the Bible a sense is that the Holy Spirit is a lawyer on our behalf I guess we can understand that when we think about advocate Um, the Holy Spirit so some things here three things the seal the gift the fruit let's just kind of run run this thing down Um, the Holy Spirit as the seal. 2 Corinthians 1 21 22 says this Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Understanding the Holy Spirit as the seal. Now about five years later in Ephesians 1 he wrote, Paul again, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So here it is, you're included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul just, just takes so many words to say so many things and yet it's good to just kind of let even just one verse kind of pace out a little bit because he's brilliant under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But he's basically saying the Holy Spirit is sent to you so that you know you know that you are in God, that you are in Christ, that you are of a divine body, a, a, a mystical body, if you will, an eternal body, a spiritually related body. We don't need to talk about an ecumenical movement. We don't need to talk about unity within the churches. The reality is that we all stand as one because of Christ. Can I push it a little bit further? I'm moving away from the rostrum, which always freaks Bev out because my notes are back here. Actually, I'll come back because the mic's there. Thanks. (laughs) Steve is going... (laughs) You know how how it is within a family? Blood. You know, they say blood's thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. Yep, that's true. And sometimes the baptismal water isn't as thick as family bloodlines. In other words, there can be conflict between brothers and sisters in the church, within a fellowship, within the wider body of Christ, disagreements over doctrine, theology, all of those. It's okay to 
to, to grapple with those things and butt up against each other with those things. However, <coughs> sometimes it causes division and that's where the enemy just loves to bring, bring God's people down, just tear us apart, let us fight, fight amongst ourselves before you know it, we've lost our voice and to a large degree in the community today we've lost our voice um, and, and we're doing our, ourselves no favours at all. Um, but, you know, within a family, you, you, you're, you're as, thick as thick as anything, aren't you? You'll put up with all kinds of nonsense from each other, mostly. Um, you'll, you'll bicker with each other, maybe struggle with each other, but somebody else come and pick on one of your family. And what, what are they going to cop? You know, all of a sudden you're on the same sides, you know. And, and, and over the years I've kind of thought, you know, if only we... Jesus' blood is thickest of all. So the thing that binds all of us together in the body of Christ is his shared blood. His blood is thicker than any other blood. So in other words, however much we may disagree, however much we may grapple with things and butt up against each other, nothing divides God's people. Nothing separates his sons and daughters because his blood is thicker than anything. His blood, you know, I'm going to be Bev's sister in a million years' time and praise God she won't have to be my wife in a million years' time. What binds us together? What binds me to my daughter? She's my daughter's sister. My daughter is my blood daughter but she's actually my sister by blood of Christ and that is the only thing that will survive into eternity is that blood, shed blood of Christ that binds us all together and it says here, who, having believed you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of, if you like, all of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The seal. So yeah, hang tough, guys. Hang tough, brother and sister. Don't let the blood of Christ be minimised because of division driven between us. We, we, we hang tough in that. Our blood is thicker even than family relationships on earth. The deposit, the advance payment, back to the notes, Darwin. That, you know when you buy something, you buy, I've been buying a lot on eBay lately, I've been having a ball and it's been freaking Bev out. <laughs> Um, but you put a deposit down on something, don't you? And what's the deposit do? It's not full payment for something, but it holds it. And it says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for this. And I'm going to come back with full payment. And, and so the Lord leaving the Holy Spirit with us as a seal, as a deposit, guarantees he will come back. And he's coming back for us. And there it will be as it was always intended to be. The inheritance. We share an inheritance as children of God, that is beyond our imagining. Now, about a year earlier to the Ephesian writing, the Holy Spirit is the gift. So, if you wouldn't mind turning to 1 Corinthians, which is a little bit past Acts, you go through Romans, which was written at the end, but, but placed, in a sense, uh, placed earliest in the letters because of the power of it. Um, and not that something's higher than other. We know that all scripture is useful. Um, the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 
and uh, verse from the beginning of the chapter, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts. So we talked about the seal. Now we're talking about the gift. About spiritual gifts, brothers, I, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to, to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We won't go into teaching on that today because that's going to be another big tangent. Can't touch on some of these things quickly. There are different kinds in verse 4 of gift, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. I'm reading to 11. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of, of one and the same spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Uh, Today is not a digging into all of that but to say that when we have a spiritual birthday, when we're born again by the spirit of God and become part of his family, he gives you a birthday present. For some of us it's the gift of preaching or teaching. For others of us uh, it can be the gift of administration, the gift of helps. There are kind of a few lists, lists through the Bible and it can be a bit of work to identify what is an ability or a talent or a spiritual gift. Can I say that um, a spiritual gift is not necessarily music? But let's say you have the talent of music, like say Keith Green, for those of us who are older might remember Keith Green. Now he was an evangelist and he was a prophet and when that was communicated through his talent, which was music, it was very, very powerful. You know, um, uh, is it, I'm trying to think of Dabney. He's a, he's a counsellor, a Christian counsellor. He actually has the gift of, of uh, knowledge, words of knowledge. In other words, the Holy Spirit imparts to him information about people or thinking. Now, as a Christian counsellor, he brings all his talent and his profession to that task but he, if he's working with somebody who's open to this, a Christian, he will say, well, look, let's pray and see what the Lord has to say about this. And it is quite interesting to see what the Lord will give him that will be helpful to bring healing to this person, divinely inspired um, information or knowledge. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is part of the wider gift of the Holy Spirit. He is a gift to us. He equips us for the task. Without dancing into some of the, the, the more kind of controversial and scary aspects of what that might be, mean, it, it means that God has made it possible for him through his indwelling Holy Spirit to minister divinely Two people in flesh, you know, that we're bound by our flesh. Now, for example, um, I need to keep moving with this. It's so hard just to kind of skim, isn't it? So feel free to fire questions at me with grace uh, during morning tea because sometimes you don't get to hear the full heart on something. 
Um, and sometimes I say things which leave people thinking this when it's not that in terms of my own thinking. Um, but when I'm praying for healing for somebody, for example, it might be at a hospital bed and um, I, I'm, you know, it's, I don't necessarily even feel I have the gift of healing specifically. Uh, however, there have been times when I've sensed an anointing for that. Um, over the years but I, I, I know that as a child of God all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to me however the Holy Spirit is within me so why do I need to even define whether a gift is operating or not surely all I need to do is invoke if you like or invite the Holy Spirit to minister as the divine God can do as we know through scripture he does or has done and let him figure out whether there's a gift of healing operating or a gift of knowledge or whatever. Um, and if I'm praying with a Christian person, I know that they have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So Lord, that, I say, Lord, you, you flow through my brother or sister it, through your presence, your, your indwelling Holy Spirit. I pray that you would release that healing power that is in you, Holy Spirit, within that person. You're already there. You're already flowing. You know, bring this person through. Bring this person through to complete healing. Uh, a bit of courage, stepping out, being bold, asking the Lord. Well, do the thing. You know, it's a faith prayer. Unless the Lord has said to you, "If you pray now, I will heal." Sometimes that happens. People will receive something, and they say, "I feel like I must pray for you now because the Lord has said." Because He's He makes it. He doesn't operate independently of us. He says, if you pray that faith prayer, I will. So it's almost like a word of knowledge prayer then. It's not a faith, Lord, I believe you can, so might you, will you? It's a, it's a faith prayer that says, the Lord has spoken, I will pray the prayer and you will be healed or you will be ministered to, whatever it is. Whew. Just when I think I've got it all sorted, God challenges me again. I try to box him up and figure out how he works and he just kind of comes along and does something out of the box. It's very frustrating. And it's very amazing, you know. So I'm real careful when I, when I see things and I go, well, okay, Lord, uh, this is challenging me, but so let, let it sit with me, you know, and see whether this, the, the word talks about testing the spirits. So there are things that confront my paradigm um, and I go, well, okay, Lord, uh, help me with this. Help me to see whether you are operating in this the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a marvellous gift the Lord sent us on Pentecost Sunday. Now a year before that was said in 1 Corinthians in Galatians 5, which was I think was the earliest letter, the first letter that was written. If you turn to Galatians 5, and we're talking about the fruit. The seal, the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a gift, and as fruit. Read Galatians 5:22 to 23, my notes tell me. And this will be a familiar passage to many of us, but read it with freshness this morning. Galatians 5:22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. <sighs> my fruit in patience is often it's just underdone. <laughs> My grapes look like prunes. Uh, kindness. Sorry, darling. No, no, speak up. 
No? Don't, don't, no, no, what, what have you... <laughs> Actually, look, don't talk to me during my tea, talk to her. <laughs> She'll fill you in. I'll say it again. Patience, gentleness, oh no, I jumped one. Kindness, goodness. Don't you see this stuff at work in the body of Christ? Don't you see it in each other? Isn't it wonderful? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We don't get it right all the time, but it's there, embedded in us. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Guess what? If we lived this out, we wouldn't have to lock our houses up when we leave. You know, we wouldn't need traffic lights. We'd be also patient letting everybody else in first. You know, there'd be no such thing as road rage, which means I'd be a lot quieter. You know, that's got to be a blessing, hasn't it? Against such things. Boy, if we could package this and market it and sell it, we'd have a whole different world. Imagine a world with no law. Because when this is in operating, there's no need for law. We figure it out. It happens. It, it, this fruit comes. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You see what happens when we don't live by the Spirit. That's the kind of sour fruit, sour grapes, we start to evidence. The fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Real simple, because it's almost half past eleven. It's growing into the likeness of Christ. It's, It's growing into this beautiful reflection of Jesus, this abundance of wonderful, ripe, juicy fruit hanging there begging to be picked and eaten. When we look like Jesus, we're a magnet to him. People can't stay away. The Holy Spirit's at work. You know, he's our our gift. He's equipping us. He's nurturing us. We're responsive to him. He prompts us about making a phone call to somebody and you realise when you make that phone call, well, it couldn't have happened tomorrow. This phone call couldn't have happened tomorrow. It was right then, just when it was needed. You know, I'm responsive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, let us keep in step with the Spirit, the Word says. And, and, and the seal, we are confident of where we stand in Christ because every day we step out as his ambassador, as his son or daughter, as his divine uh, voice to Christ and his reality in the world. Hey, see the fruit that has come to my life since I've become a follower of Jesus. And people look and marvel. Let me tell you, the wedding last night, yesterday, was such a huge, God-glorifying time. For those of us that were there, I I don't think any of us would agree. They were so happy and alive with the joy of Christ and the joy of their love for each other. It's a wonderful thing because a lot of their people, those 400 people clambering all around that church, (laughs) using up our stuff. (laughs) So many of them weren't even Christians, you know. And I'm sitting there going, yes, 
Go for it. Speak it. Declare it. Just by showing up the body of Christ, just by being here, standing here alive, you know, to Christ with a real faith, no somberness, you know what I mean, no, no false piety or anything. It was alive, it was special, it was reverent, it was beautiful. And I'm going, yeah, just Lord, just sow that seed, just get it out there, get it into people's... And, and, and they'll go into this week just thinking about moments. The Holy Spirit is going to take moments and hit it to them. What an opportunity for evangelistic mission was that wedding. The people of God being Jesus and letting the fruit grow into bloom. Yes, the seal, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The gift, divine appointment, appointed to some, given different things according to God's grace. The fruit, another way of understanding that is living a truly blessed life. In Luke 11, Jesus in teaching about prayer said, verse 13, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, Jesus said that. Jesus said that before Pentecost. We now have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. So next time, or, or when we come and say, Lord, I want more of, more of you. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to worship you in spirit and truth. Like my life feels hard or cracked, or my, my heart, I'm not sure that it's still flesh, it feels stony, or, or you seem far from me, you know, come back to me, you know. Maybe we're really saying, Lord, I want to give you more of me. I want you to have all there is of Dave McMurray. You know. No holding back. I will make time for you. I will be in your word. If there's anything, one guy I knew, he said, first word, last word. First words that he spoke or read every day was the word of God. The last words before he went to sleep every night was the word of God. He just, he just made it a religious thing and practiced it. First word, last word, always the word of God. What do you need to do? How can you develop in your life a sense of the presence of God, keeping in step with the Spirit, functioning, growing fruit, living out the gift, understanding the power of the presence of the seal of God in your life? Enough. Let's pray. Lord God, we are in awe of you. You come to us in so many different ways. For me, Lord, it's always been a faith thing. You've not gone easy on me, giving me lots of feelings when it comes to your presence or experiencing you. Lord, there's been times when I've had a mountaintop experience and I've prayed to you, you know those prayers, when I was a teenager and I said, Lord, I never want to lose this feeling ever. Like Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he said his reaction and being in the divine presence, oh Lord, we, we must build something here, we must build tabernacles, we can't ever leave this place. Lord, you indwell us. 
We are now your tabernacle. We are now your temple. We want to build our Bethel. We want to set up our altar. We want to put ourselves on that altar. We want to build into the very being and fabric of our lives you. That we may live out your intention for this world and for each one of us. Lord, I pray your blessing on every heart here this morning. We, we, we come and worship you and, and we say, Lord, I, I want more of you. I, I want to experience a live faith in Christ more powerfully than maybe where I've got to. Lord, hear those prayers. Refresh our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Minister your healing and your grace because we know that you are already within us and you are welcome. Lord God, you are welcome here in this place. This church wants to be a gift-based church. So Lord, we pray that you would release the gifting that you have placed within us more and more powerfully. We can see the history, Lord. You've done a wonderful thing in this church from the very beginnings, those starting days in the park with children and you've built something strong and powerful and yet humble and modest. Your voice has come uh, from this place and this people over decades in a, in a truth, in a light, in a righteousness. It's been unsullied, Lord, by so many of the things that sully other witnesses, other places, other peoples, other gatherings under your name. Today we stand at the threshold of your next move in our midst. We thank you for bringing us this far, for the work that you've been doing in us. You you have done such a beautiful thing in so many lives and, and we stand in testimony to that today. And we thank you, Lord. And we thank you in advance for choosing to use us to continue your purpose here in this place, in our hearts, in our neighbourhoods, in the streets, wherever it is that you've placed us, for us to continue to authentically declare your word, to preach your good news, to be followers of the way in this day and age in such a way that your life starts to blossom in this community, in, this, in our world. Hear those prayers this morning, Lord, that are inviting you this morning. Hear them as prayers that are seeking after you and show us, lead us in the way everlasting, we would ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.